Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am once again joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how are you doing? Good. It's, it's cold up here in the Bay Area, but I'm happy to be here talking comics with you as always, Henry. Excellent. And... Christian Diadamo. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well. I've been uh, catching up on Young Justice Season 3, and i got to say, Season 3 is very crash. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, today is January 21st, 2021. And, um, yeah, I think it's... uh, it's time to get back to our normal order of business, which is uh, movie reviews. And today we're going to review Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, so we're going to get into that. But first, it is notable that the MCU is back. WandaVision has premiered on Disney+. Plus. We have all seen episodes one and two so um i thought we'd get our thoughts on those two episodes now keep in mind we'll probably do a season one recap after the season is over uh but for now yeah maybe just some initial thoughts on um first two episodes of wandavision uh you want to start it off perferio yeah so wandavision i mean when the sh- when the let me just start by saying like I was like one of the most outspoken people who's excited for the show because I love the character Scarlet Witch very very much so I was very just excited just to know that she was getting her own TV show um so let me just start off by saying my little um opinion about the show and then uh then yeah then watching it like watching a new mcu project for the first time since spider-man far from home it was just like oh yay finally and yeah these and the show did not disappoint marvel disney has the best money to hire the best writers and it did not disappoint me it was very entertaining I was pleased, and um, I was just like, yes, this is the MCU content I was missing in 2020, and I was, I was just happy with the fine, with the finished prod, product of what I was given in episode one and two, and I look forward to the rest of the season. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're just getting initial thoughts here. So why don't we keep it spoiler free for now? In our recap, we can probably do like a full on spoilerific recap. Um, but yeah, no spoilers. Spoilers for now. Um, yeah, you you brought up a good point that this is the first proper MCU content since Spider Man Far From Home, and that was a long time ago, man. That was. 4th of July, 2019. So uh, we're talking a full year and a half, right? That's a long time to wait. So man, when we started this up, we we all watched this together for the first time last week. That that was kind of cool. Um, And yeah, when when they started 
episode one with the Marvel Studios logo and the music and all the characters flying out at you, damn, that was pretty exciting, right? Um, it was just a long time coming. Very, very exciting. And um, it almost set it up too high of an expectation in a way because um, I have to say I did enjoy these two episodes, but I would say I was a bit disappointed too, you know? Um, I think with the MCU, there's just this built-in high expectation, right? Um, so to walk away from these two episodes without that like deep satisfaction, you know, um, I was a little disappointed. I, I definitely, I definitely like this different direction they're taking. It's, it's, it's a weird and different kind of show. And I like that, you know, um, it's, yeah, I think it's, it'll take some getting used to. And I would say that over time, I think the answers are coming. Like, um, I don't think I'm spoiling anything when I say a lot of people were really confused (laughs) after watching the show, right? Episodes one and two, you know, um, a lot of confusion, a lot of head scratching, um, so for now, yeah, a little frustrating for sure. Uh, I think over time we'll get the answers and uh, I think we just got to kind of hang in there and write it out. Um, I will say this too. After I watched the first couple episodes, I rewatched one of the trailers. And then, the, you know, in the trailer you see, you know, I, I, it's, not, it's not all like retro TV, right? Yeah. You do get some superhero shit, right? So yeah. I think we just got to kind of hold off a bit. I think we'll get a payoff. There will be a payoff, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Just be patient. Yeah. Oh, how about you, Christian? What do you think about WandaVision so far? Well, yeah, like, so 2020 was, of course, the long, like a decade and an entire year. Yeah. So hearing that Spider like the last Spider Man came out last July is like, oh wow, that was that was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah, it's like seeing that like MCU kind of logo at the beginning and like with the graphic and then coming back to it, it's like it's like wow, I'm so like nostalgic for like <laughs> yeah. Endgame in twenty nineteen. Like yep. um yeah, it's it it feels good to be back and like the universe does cut it's it's like a comfort zone in a way mm-hmm. and so that just like that on its own is like i think can make want vision like very very worth it um as far like i although i was like very confused i like i do think um it is a little jarring because it's so different they don't really give you a lot of context for what's going on and why the characters are in this like kind of 50 sitcom world. Yeah. And so like, it is a little, it's a little jarring, but of course that is on purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's so different from like anything the MCU has like done before. It's very surreal. And like, I definitely got a lot of vibes from other movies such as like, you know, the Truman show, uh, Pleasantville and like, there's even a part that kind of reminded me of like David Lynch in a way. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. The part where the woman's like, "Stop it, stop it." Yeah. Stop it. Like over yeah, yeah. and over, <laughs> and it's like it goes on for so long, 
and it's like like I said, it's so like tense and surreal that like I'm not a hundred percent sure how to like interpret the episodes mm -hmm. fully, but I feel like the like everything is cloaked in such mystery. I am definitely intrigued to find out. Yeah. Oh, really solid points, Christian. Yeah, I like the David Lynch comparisons. That's that's an interesting point. And I, I do see it now that you bring it up. Um, and, you know, another thing I thought of was I had mentioned this the night that we saw it, but, you know, originally the Falcon and Winter Soldier show was supposed to come before WandaVision, right? Yeah. So I, I think the fact that WandaVision came first makes it extra jarring, you know, like Falcon and Winter Soldier seems to be much more in line with the MCU that we know and love, you know, we get the action, we get the superhero fights and stuff. Um, I think that may have served as a kind of a, a better transition, you know, like after all this time, oh yes, Marvel Studios is back, you know, and we just kind of get the, the stuff that we're used to getting. And then we get the alternative content, you know, kind of like, kind of like the way Marvel Studios would roll out the movies, right? We would get a more familiar character and then like a different character, kind of like, you know, we saw in 2014, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and then later they rolled the dice with Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yeah. Um, and they would do that kind of thing a lot where it'd be like, a more familiar character and then like a less familiar character right um but we didn't get that here right so yeah i think that's what made wandavision like extra weird you know like whoa what is this like what happened like i, I want i want some comfort you know it's kind of what you're saying christian you get the comfort of those the, the opening logos um you, you want the comfort of the feel that what what made you love the mcu in the first place and then you're thrown into this really weird world and it's yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty jarring. I do want to add that there was like a with the vision actor, um, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, yeah. Um, he did an interview earlier this week saying that like uh an idea that they had for a post credit scene for Endgame was like Scarlet Witch being having like a uh body bag being brought to her and then like she opened it and then it was gonna be like Vision's body. And that was going to be like a post-credit scene that would eventually lead to whatever Scarlet Witch TV show that they had planned. But ultimately, it was just um, scraped, which I think I'm okay with. Like, I feel like Endgame, like, ended great. Like, there was no post-credit scene that needs to be given. Yeah. And I feel like it just... I don't know. It, it like like you said, it kind of makes like makes like one division even that more. Like, you, you don't know what happened, and you yeah. don't want that comfort, you know. So I'm kind of glad they never did that. That is a very interesting point, though, Preferio. I didn't know that either. Um, the reason why I say this is because the fact that they were even considering that scene you just mentioned may clue us in a bit on what their intentions are with this show, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know what might be kind of fun before we see any more of WandaVision is what do we think is happening here? Where do you think this story is going? Like, um, 
I know there are a lot of theories right now, but yeah, it might be fun to sort of like predict what we think it is now. And then we kind of see how we did at the end of the season. Cool. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> because what, what you're describing is uh, Wanda getting visions, quote unquote, dead body, right? Yeah. That's, that's the cut scene, right? Uh-huh. So by that rationale, maybe this season is like, them trying to rebuild vision this was my initial thought when i was watching the show i thought oh maybe vision is dead but they're like rebuilding him and his thoughts are being built and things are just a jumble right they're they're just like uh he's in this weird sitcom world his his, uh the love of his life is with him but she's not quite herself um so that that initial theory I had might lend itself to what you're saying, Perfurio, because if they're giving her his lifeless body, maybe this show is them bringing Vision back to life. Now, upon continuing watching the show, I kind of don't think that's what's happening. I think this is more of what's happening in Wanda's head, like Wanda's fever dream or or whatever, her her mind control thing. that seems to be what's going on. Like it's Wanda trapped in some sort of mental prison. And um, like this, so far what we've seen is, is her like um, being, I don't know, going through some sort of brainwashing or something. Um, but what do you guys think? Think Any thoughts, predictions, hmm. My theories? Thought is really like the um, just, yeah, that like mental prison state of grief. Um, I'm not really, sh- uh, I guess, uh, I guess, could we get into, like, I guess a little bit of spoilers for these two episodes, like. Yeah, I think uh, we can do that. Why don't we give a spoiler alert? Yeah, after all, well, let's, uh, let's get into some minor spoilers. Why not? What do you okay. got? Because, <laughs> um, there's, of course, you know, the role of sword, like, we're not really, well, the sword hasn't really been introduced, but we see, like, you know, the little logos everywhere. And yeah. so I'm not I they're you know they're being built up to play a role in the series, but they haven't been introduced. So I, like I have no idea who they are, and what their plan is, how they're monitoring her, um, or if there's even a villain involved, like there usually is in you know a right. superhero show, like what you would expect. Yeah, and um, and so I you know it could be possible that there's some other larger entity that's watching over her that um, she may have to fight or cooperate with, what what have you. Um, also, have not read, I guess, like House of M, which is always like the one that, you know, the, the comic that gets brought up with WandaVision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but that, I guess that's my usual thought. It's just like her essentially changing reality in kind of her state of grief. Yeah. I I think that she is dead, like, yeah, like, she's totally doing this in her head, but she's being, like, watched um, by sword. Um, she's, like, having, like, this, like, mental kind of breakdown. I don't think Vision's going to come back. Let me just say that. I don't think that they're working on, like, trying to, like, have her, like, 
make memories of vision or recreate them using whatever mm-hmm. memories or um, reality stimulation with vision. I think this is just all what she wants. And then like once she understands that like, she can't do it, then that's when I feel like she's gonna have like a breakdown and lose like ha- um just like lose control of her powers like in her head, which does like damage into the real world, you know. That's a solid uh, take. Uh like totally like a House of M storyline, but um uh it's like a um, without, without the mutants, just like a mm-hmm. um, total reality change up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then, like you were saying, Christian, how like they want a villain and stuff. You know, I've been reading like a lot of articles, and so many. You're not alone. Like so many fans want to see a villain. Like they're like, oh, this is who the villain is. Like uh, Mephisto or um Morgan from the the Runaways or um or even like a past villain like this is Ultron's work like getting his revenge on on Wanda and stuff and so like people want to see a villain and I'm just like yeah. I don't know I'm kind of like does there have to be a villain like can Wanda be like her own villain like like the, yeah. like just like um her own like uh, inability to like deal with like tragedy, like make make herself the villain. You know, I don't know. That's just my take. Oh, I like that a lot, and um, I think uh, what you had mentioned, I agree with. You mentioned that Vision is dead and he's not coming back. I kind of think you're right. You know, for me, uh, my initial thought was, hey, this might be them rebuilding vision. And this is like what's going on in his his work in progress, new brain. Um, I think that was kind of wishful thinking on my part. I'm a big vision fan from the comics. Um, But yeah, over time, I I felt like, yeah, I don't think that's what's happening. Um, Yeah, I think this is more Wanda's story. This is what's going on in her own brain. And yeah, I like that. You know, it doesn't have to be an explicit villain. Maybe the villain, uh, the, the good and evil struggle is just what's going on in her brain. You know, she just can't let go of, of the love of her life. And she's just created this prison um, because she can't deal with the loss. You know, and maybe that's the whole season. Maybe that it's just this struggle with uh, her letting go, right? Um, and if that is it, you know, that, that's pretty cool, right? That, that's very different. Um, and, uh, yeah. And as much as I love vision, I, I think it would be cool if, if, you know, he stays dead, you know, a, a character staying dead for once, you know, um, and you could still get like the, 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 the farewell that she didn't get to give him yeah. in, um, infinity war right she can sort of say goodbye to him in her own brain right so yeah pretty interesting i kind of like that theory um i think i'll go with it okay so yeah let's not go too deep into wandavision i think we can do a full episode in the future after (laughs) the season ends right yeah um let's move on 
to Wonder Woman, 1984. Uh, so this came out last month. And um, yeah, pretty interesting release because it released straight to streaming. Pretty groundbreaking. Um, a pretty bold move. You know, uh, it was part of really trying to build out this HBO Max streaming service. Um, so we all got to experience it in a pretty interesting way, right? A brand new big budget superhero movie straight into our homes, right? Right into our TV screens. Um, so uh, that was kind of interesting. Maybe we'll start there. Like, um, what was the feeling like watching a major superhero movie for the first time at home? You know, I'm sure that this is the first time for in a long time for a lot of us for that kind of experience, right? Any initial thoughts there? I think it was cool because, I mean, like, it came out on Christmas Day. You know, if Warner Brothers or HBO were going to do this, I feel like they were very strategic in, like, trying to make this a big success. They were like, let's do this, like, let's release this on, like, Christmas where, like, everybody's at home, everybody can um, have access to it. And... um, even like a few weeks beforehand, they got rid of their free trial so people could actually buy the um, streaming service. So it was very strategic. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like watching on Christmas Day, you're like tired from opening up the Christmas presents the night before, and you're just like, I haven't been to the movie theaters all year long. Like, let's watch a big bluster, big blockbuster movie that I had wanted to see for the longest time since June. Let's finally watch Wonder Woman, you know? And um, it was like, I don't know. Wonder Woman, I think, like, was is that type of movie that you could watch, like, anytime throughout the day, like, in the morning when you could watch with the family or later on during the night, watch it with friends, you know, like uh, during the happy hour, Zoom happy hour. Um, but um, it was cool watching it with my family. It was it was just really funny. It felt like being at the movie theaters, but safe at home. Cool. And how about you, Christian? What was your experience like? So, um yeah, with it coming out on Christmas, so, well, actually, me and my family on Christmas Day, we instead watched Soul on Disney+, Plus, which okay. is, like, you know, another, like, big new, like, release, release on Christmas Day, and it was nice that, like, it was already on the service, and you didn't have to pay any extra money um, yeah. for either of these movies, and so it was, like, ah, it's a nice little Christmas present. Because it's not like uh, you re- we really could do much this Christmas. So it's nice to have, like, a new movie that we could all, like, just sit around and watch. Yeah. Um, and as far as, I guess, Wonder Woman specifically, um, I actually watched that on my own, like, the next day. And so I think, with you know, I do miss going to the theater and, like, having the big popcorn and, like, there's like the you know the excitement of the theater that uh you don't get but it's nice to 
like you know it's nice to have like your own personal comfort zone and wear what you want to wear and not worry about not worry about <laughs> driving you get a beer and the beer isn't like 10 bucks and <laughs> yeah you can, right. you like have everything that you you kind of need around you and you're like you know you you're, you're like much comfier even if like the actual watching isn't as exciting yeah and um like yeah watching it's also nice to like pause or if someone you know texts you you can text them back right like right then and there because I, yeah. yeah i i I never like pulling out my my phone in the theater i always silence it but mm -hmm. yeah it's like having that freedom's nice yeah going off that really fast like um like comparing the two like watching wandavision and then watching wonder woman I just gotta say, like, watching WandaVision was a lot more fun watching of you guys than watching Wonder Woman. Just because, like, Wonder Woman, I don't know, like, it was just, like, I don't know, maybe it was just my family in general, but we were all just kind of bored. But then watching WandaVision, it was fun, like, seeing, like, Yuris' reactions to, like, certain scenes or just, like, we were able to talk about it, like, right afterwards and be like, oh, my gosh, what'd you think? Like, what are your theories and everything? And, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. And uh, yeah, I was thinking too, along the same lines as both of you, uh, getting to watch the new Wonder Woman movie at home was this nice uh, little present, you know, like it was on an existing streaming service. Um, so it's just kind of this little bonus, this little like treat for the world, you know, um, so you kind of felt like you're getting something extra, you know, like uh, 2020 was a rough year. And at the end of the year, you, you, you get this little, I don't know, Christmas gift in a way. Right. Um, so going in, that was the thought. But then what happened? Then we actually watched the movie <laughs> and uh, things changed uh, a bit. Right. So let's get into it. Um, how good or how bad was this movie? Uh, anyone want to start here? Oh man, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. It wasn't my favorite. <laughs> yeah, um, you guys saw it uh, before I did. And um, yeah, I kind of got the full download from you all as well as uh, uh, Rainier and uh, David from the other podcast, you know, and across the board, there was disappointment, you know. Um, so I went in with very low expectations and still I was disappointed, you know. It's almost shocking how bad this movie is. Um, I don't even know where to start. It's not like there was just like a handful of things that were bad, just like, like, like countless offenses happening here right um i mean we just we can kind of just spitball and just throw stuff out there i guess but um yeah anyone just want to throw stuff out that was just that didn't work for you that you thought could have been done better well if we start at the very beginning of the movie <laughs> have, like, like the movie starts off on the wrong foot because you start with this big scene of like the Olympics, 
on Themyscira. All oh, right. And uh, it starts with, you know, Diana's a little kid in, in the Olympics. But in, like, the last movie, like, Diana's mom is telling her that, you know, she when she's a kid, you see her, like, you can't train yet. You're not ready. Like, and she, you see, like, you know, so you already know that Diana doesn't start training until she's an adult in the first movie. But it, but in 1984, there's like a weird flashback that contradicts that because mm, she's in yeah. these like Olymp like what what you're assuming is the Olympics, like the obstacle course with like fully trained like athletes. Yeah. And um and then the whole thing kind of ends in this big like cheating is wrong speech. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which is you know a little strange, and then. <laughs> The kickers that seems like like twenty twenty five minutes. Yeah, it's long. And has nothing to do with the rest of the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. And but before we continue, uh, let's let's give a big spoiler alert. We're gonna go into pretty heavy sp plot spoilers. But yeah, that was a big one. I kept waiting the whole movie for that initial scene to tie in somewhere. It never did. <laughs> like I, I I walked away from the movie thinking, like, what was the whole point of that? first like half hour or so of the movie and i looked at the final runtime of the movie it's pretty long it's like two and a half hours they could have easily just taken out that whole first scene right they really should have i think it's not the only thing bad with the movie but it's definitely a, a glaring problem you were gonna yeah, say something um, for you no yeah going i mean i'll i'm gonna say something after this but like yeah, like that whole scene, I was just like, this is so necessary. Like, like it kind of like, you know, like the opening scene of like Wonder Woman 1 kind of sets this tone of like, one woman doesn't know who she is. Like, yeah, um, the first one, she, she, you could tell like her identity herself is going to play a larger platform within the, the, some some major plot point later on which it does um so i figure like okay they could take us on this flashback they gave us this like yeah cheating is wrong kind of speech okay so you kind of expect that from the movie and it never does it never it doesn't tie back to it in any way i'm like okay what was the point of this then? And they barely yes. touch on like the significance of the, of the armor, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. um, like they, they touch upon it a few points throughout the movie, but even then it's just kind of like a, like, it's like a trophy. Like, yeah, I did that. And then like, it's, it's on your shelf, like to collect dust. This mm -hmm. doesn't have any significance, you know. Um, that's how I kind of saw it. Um, but yeah, uh, I have like more thoughts to like the next opening scene. But if do you have any more thoughts, yeah, Henry? Uh, yeah, real quick, I thought I might mention the fact that uh, this is definitely. A male perspective here. We have three males speaking about Wonder Woman, um, and you know, you know. After I saw the first Wonder Woman, I really enjoyed it a lot. A lot of people around the world enjoyed it a lot. Um, but I know that 
you know, a significant uh, part of it was speaking to women of the world. Like this movie was meant for women to see and for women to feel empowered by, right? And uh, this sequel, WW84, um, you know, I'm sure is, is meant, was meant for that too. And yeah, so it, this movie was not necessarily meant for for men. <laughs> um, so I mean, I don't just, I just, just like, like just something to throw out there, right? Like, um, I'd hate for this to feel like just a bunch of like angry dudes bashing on a female superhero movie. Um, we're just giving our honest opinion. And if you're a woman or if you're anyone who actually did enjoy this movie, like, like more power to you, you know, <laughs> like, that's great. I, I don't, I, I feel like we shouldn't like rain on your parade and all that. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't want to hate this movie. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a big Marvel fan and I, I, you know, I have to be honest, I do get some satisfaction on like talking shit about DC stuff, uh, but I, I genuinely wanted to enjoy this movie and I just did not, you know? Um, and again, yeah, I think we're just giving our honest opinions here, right? Um, so moving on, I think we can all agree like that, that first scene was like very unnecessary and just did not fit within the scheme of the whole movie. And I think the whole movie itself was kind of a big mess too, right? Um, so let me bring up the dream stone. So as it turns out, the main primary plot device of this movie is the dream stone, which believe it or not, is something that makes your dreams come true. This is like the real plot of the movie, right? I don't know who thought of this, who came up with this idea, but this is for real, right? The, the, the main plot point of this movie is this, this ancient uh, relic that makes your dreams come true, right? And I think just that premise alone is highly flawed like it just opened the door for all kinds of plot holes and um just cliches and just like a, a bad story you know it just uh that 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 in itself the premise itself was like a huge hurdle to get over that you know it, it definitely it didn't it didn't clear the hurdle you know um yeah a lot of problems with that that dream stone and the dream stone not only was that a problem, but I guess later in the movie, the Pedro Pascal character becomes the Dreamstone, right? So it's pretty weird. And there's just stuff in this movie that, I mean, I just have so many questions. I'm so confused. <laughs> um, but yeah, what else? Uh, you guys want to chime in at all about other issues you guys had with the film? Yeah, the Dreamstone was uh, like a really lame plot MacGuffin. Yeah, that they were after, um, and like, uh, this has definitely been like discussed to death. But like, how the how the um, the wishes work is always such like a weird, like 
it doesn't really make any internal sense within the movie. No. Because there's supposed to be like a monkey's paw effect uh, where, you know, Wonder Woman makes her wish for um, Steve Trevor to come back. And like he inhabits the con- like it's his consciousness in another man's body, and uh, that that was like a really weird misstep, and creates all these like other questions that you have. Um, yeah. Whereas if they had just taken the easier route of having him materialize, because when other people make wishes for like n- nuclear weapons or giant walls or something like that, they just materialize out of thin air. Yeah. But for Wonder Woman. Uh, and Steve Trevor, like, it has to take somebody else, and at the same time, she gets weaker, like, her powers start to fade. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, you know, the stone's affecting her in these ways, but, like, you know, other wishes don't work in, in, in a way, and so, like, and so, like, that was confusing, and yeah. didn't really seem fully, you know, like, thought out. Yeah, the whole wish fulfillment thing was all over the place. Like the whole street Steve Trevor reappearance, it was really weird. Like at first he didn't appear as Steve Trevor, he appeared as this other guy. But then Diana sees him as original Steve. And um similarly when Cheetah gets her powers, it's kind of delayed also. Like um she makes her wish but she doesn't get her powers right away it it takes like i don't know a couple days or something um and in other cases people get their wishes like right away right Uh, so there's all kinds of inconsistencies there right um so i just kind of walked away from that throwing my hands in the air going like wtf i don't know i just i give (laughs) up man um but uh, yeah, what what else uh, prefer you? I I know you watched this uh, a second time today. Is that I, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anything um, stick out to you on a second viewing? Yeah, the second time I watched it, like again, like the whole um, Steve like being reincarnated was, I was just kind of like, really? Does that have to be Wonder Woman's like wish that she has to be involved in? a romantic storyline you know yeah like she's you know why put one woman through this kind of thing like yeah like um just because she's a woman she has to be in love like she doesn't like to be lonely you know like yeah i don't know like like i mean i understand like just the need of having a partner but why does that have to be why does her wish have to be like a central plot line yeah for the movie and then um i didn't yeah the first time i watched this i did not notice like how many times like one woman would like uh would like lose like her powers like was like losing her powers of like um her strength her speed her inner inner availability um because that's what her the wish was taken away from her and stuff yeah. yeah and um the first time i just thought like oh she just she got a, th- a car thrown at her like of course she's gonna like f- like budge but then like the second time watching since i knew that's what the wish took away from her she does it a lot and yeah yeah you know? so i was just like oh okay 
foreshadowing. That's a lot of foreshadowing. So. <laughs> and yet she still wants to be with Steve. Like, does that mean that... And, and she, you know, she was really hesitant to, like, try to get rid of the wish, you know? So I'm just like, does that mean you're okay with being, like, mortal? Like, mm-hmm. um, if it meant being with Steve or, you know, I don't know. Um, but I, I do, I'm just kind of, like, disappointed, like, why that had to be the central plot. Like, you could tell from the very beginning, like, when you see Diana being at a diner and then like the waiter asks her like, Hey, so is anyone else coming? And then she's like, Oh no, it's just me by myself. And you're just like, okay. She's obviously sad thinking about him, you know? Right. right. And even when she's having like the lunch conversation with Cheetah, it's still even foreshadowed. Like she asks him like, have you ever been in love? And she's like, yeah, once, but he died. It's just like, like, why are you asking this? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. why why um, bring this up since the very beginning? Like, one woman that does not, her love interest does not have to be, like, the central um, idea for the, the movie, you know? Yeah, that's a really solid point. And, um, yeah, I don't want to harp on the whole man-woman thing too much. Um, but, yeah, there are a lot of, angry male nerds like us who are like what the hell is this movie um but you know women there are women who didn't like this movie also and i think you just called out like the number one complaint like why is it that the main storyline is wonder woman needing a man to like fulfill her life you know and it it really strips away the empowerment that you got from the first movie right and yeah a lot of it is sort of like are we really doing this like so her 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 number one like wish is like for this man to fulfill her life like is that what we're trying to say here and uh yeah definitely problematic um i will say that uh that i did like chris pine in this movie like maybe the one thing that i thought was pretty good in this movie is him like I mean, literally, I think there's one scene in the movie that I enjoyed. And it's it's a scene where, like, you see Chris Pine doing, like, 80s outfit changes. <laughs> Pretty funny. Like, I think that was a legit, like, uh, good comedy moment. Um, that might have been it for the whole movie in terms of good scenes. Uh, but, I, but I did enjoy that. Um, but, yeah, maybe before we move on, any other shortcomings any other problems you guys had with this movie okay yeah, man, i feel like christian has a whole list but... yeah we got a lot soul man <laughs> um oh real quick before i move on um i like your point too prefer you about the the confusion about wonder woman's loss of powers like that was inconsistent too like she lost her powers but she didn't completely lose her powers right it's just not clear like to what extent she lost her powers like clearly there are scenes where she still has powers they're just kind of i don't know diminished and she gets new ones <laughs> yeah I don't know. and that too oh my god yeah, yeah. that's a good segue the the uh, diana learning to fly stuff like what was that about exactly oh, tf moments yeah 
My first thought wasn't even that scene. It was the invisible jet scene. Okay, well, there's that. <laughs> she also just kind of learns to make an entire jet invisible out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, where did that come from? But yeah, the flying was it was also like, wait, what? She can do this now? Well, because her friend told her how to do it, right? You know, if someone told me how to f fly, I could do it, I think. I feel like I could do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go try fly right now. Because yeah, Steve Trevor told me the steps do to do. <laughs> and not mention that I can do these things in, in movies that happen later on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah like, the, the, real quick, the invisible, invisible jet scene, I mean, clearly that was meant as a fan moment, you know. Totally wasn't set up, though, right? Like, you, it's, I mean, how did she turn that jet invisible? We don't know. There was no setup. There was no backstory on that at all. So, yeah, we've talked about this before, but, you know, fan service moments are great, but only if, if they work within the context of the movie, you know, like they need to be set up correctly and they, they can't just be thrown in there just for the hell of it. And this was one of those moments, right? It's like, ooh, Wonder Woman's invisible jet is in this movie. Hell yeah. But then the way they, they, they rolled it out was just like so unsatisfying, right? So... Yeah, a big miss there. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to say was I was kind of disappointed in the music choices. Like, you know, Wonder Woman, this movie was set in the 80s. Like, it would have been cool seeing, like, um, hearing, like, I don't know, something like Sidney Lauper or, um, I don't know, uh, uh, what's her name? Pat Benatar? Is she in the 80s, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's what they did for Captain Marvel. Like, they totally played 90s music oh, right. and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. they played uh, No Doubt and Nirvana and all this stuff. And so right, the, right. I was kind of disappointed that, that oh, they yeah. did not have, like, a solid, well-known 80s soundtrack to the, yeah. to the movie. I mean, obviously, yeah, I went... Like, I had to go re-look, but, like, a lot of it was 80s. Maybe just that I wasn't born in the, in the era. I didn't recognize it off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of like, oh, God. Like, it would have been, like, a cool thing to, like, have played with, you know? Like, um, I don't know, like, like, in the opening moss scene, which was stupid. Oh, so let me just point that out. <laughs> but, like, uh... Like, if she was going to, like, save them, like, it would have been kind of cool to, like, see, like, Sydney Lopper's, like, girls just want to have fun scene while she's, like, kicking all the bad guys' butt and everything. Um, I, I thought that would have been funnier a lot. But, um, yeah, I was just disappointed in the music choices. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I like that. Go ahead, Christian. Like that cool trailer music. I think it was they played Blue Monday, and then you never hear anything like that in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It does beg the question, why did this movie take place in the 80s? You know, I mean, the fact that it did, it seemed like, yeah, a bit of a missed opportunity not to have some 80s pop music in there. Um, but why exactly? You know, that was another thing I was wondering as I watched this movie like why after all the decades did Diana resurface as Wonder Woman 
at this time, like that was totally unexplained, right? She she seemed to be eighty four. Yeah, eighty four. Like, was there a specific reason where she was just completely like underground for for like decades, and then all of a sudden she reappears to what to beat up some some douchebag guys at a shopping mall? Like, why yeah. exactly? You know that that was unexplained i don't know any any ideas any theories why by 84 um i think in universe i i don't know uh but i do think it's really just because the 80s nostalgia is just so generally popular and Mm -hmm. like there's so much love for like old 80s things nowadays and like you see like a lot of throwbacks like stranger things is everywhere that kind yeah. of like synthwave sound is really popular and um you see a lot of big revivals of like shows and games and like stuff from the 80s that was really really big in the 80s kind of have like really come back in a in a way yeah and so i i, I think they just chose the 80s just like just to, to target that i could see that just for yeah. that, like, hyper, like, nostalgic aesthetic, in a way. Yeah. And again, you know, we're talking about something that's kind of wedged in there almost as, like, a marketing thing, right? Sort of like the Invisible Jet. Like, let's get the Invisible Jet in there because geeks are going to love that. And then, oh, 80s. Everyone loves the 80s now. Let's have it take place during the 80s. But there really doesn't seem to be, like, any real reason why they chose that time period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think another reason too is um, Patty Jenkins seems to be a big fan of the original Superman movies, right? In the first Wonder Woman movie, there's some shout outs to the original Richard Donner Superman. And and this movie seems to shout out um, Superman 2. You know, um, like the storylines are similar, like in Superman 2, Superman does lose his powers in this movie, Wonder Woman loses her powers to an extent. Um, and there's there's definitely like an 80s vibe uh, to it. Um, yeah, I might call that out. Like, I think maybe the, the movie did succeed a bit. Like, not only does this movie take place in the 80s, but watching it, it feels like you're watching an 80s movie, you know? Um, you know, the, the the aesthetic of it. It feels like you're watching an 80s movie. And that was kind of cool, I guess. Um, the fact that the plot is completely ridiculous and has all these, like, problems and plot holes and stuff, I think um, that is a bit, like, of an 80s vibe also, kind of in a bad way, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, but I, I thought I'd call that. I think I think Patty Jenkins is just kind of a fan of, of the era, and she wanted to like homage it in a way. Um, but again, like it comes down to the storytelling, like it's got to make sense. And it there, there, to me, there, re- there wasn't a real reason to set it in 84. Like I walked away thinking, man, they, they actually called it out in the title of the movie, 1984. And yeah. there really wasn't any reason to do it that specific year. Um, you're going off what you said, like, I, 1984 was just like, 
I, I didn't get the whole title significance or anything. Yeah. Um, but I did, I will give it this. I did like the appreciation of the whole 80s retro, except this is like my biggest pet, pet peeve of the of the, the movie. But it was like, I felt like a lot of it, you can tell was like, she was like running in front of a green screen. Like, she was like running or flying in front of her green screen. I was just like, oh my god, this is like really bad, like 80 special effects. But I don't know if that's what they were intentionally going for. But I was just like, this, I, these graphics you could tell are so bad. But again, I, I don't know if that was done intentionally or not. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't exactly blown away by the effects or the action in this movie either. Um, yeah, you know, I thought I might call out uh, the villains here. So we talk a lot about villains in superhero movies, right? A lot of times, you know, we say you can't have a great superhero movie without a great superhero movie villain, right? A supervillain. So... What do we think about the villains in this movie? There are two primary villains, uh, the Pedro Pascal character and the Kristen Wiig character, right? So thoughts on these villains? Um, uh, I can start real quick. Um, I, I, I just wanted to call out Kristen Wiig because I really love Kristen Wiig. She's hilarious yeah. on SNL and she is, absolutely amazing in bridesmaids like <laughs> she is so good in that movie that, that that's a great yeah. comedy movie, movie yeah. period but she in particular just is like a home run like the the scene uh on the airplane where she gets drunk is just like amazing you know um so i was i was very curious to see um what she would bring to a wonder woman movie and um, initially, it was kind of intriguing, you know, we kind of talked about this before, but she's kind of this nerdy character. And she's actually kind of, um, kind of like the Kristen Wiig we know from SNL and Bridesmaids. She's a little awkward, right? Um, so I was definitely like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, but then I felt the character really devolved into like, just, I don't know, like, like a villain I really didn't care about, you know? Um, like there's really no depth to her character. Like she just wanted to be like Diana and she wanted to have power, right? And then she just kind of goes crazy. And, and then in the ultimate offense, I think, uh, is at the end of the movie, like you prefer you talked about the, the effects Man, the, the look of the Cheetah character at the end of the movie is, like, really terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I got a glimpse of it in the trailer, so I already knew it was not going to be great. Um, but just to see it, like, in that full-on battle scene at the end was, like, painful. You know, she looked terrible. Like, I haven't seen the Cats movie, but to me, it kind of looked like those weird, creepy cats in the cats movie right wasn't it kind of like that i don't know i just yeah. thought it looked terrible just like really really awful maybe the worst 
supervillain character design in any movie. Like, it's that bad. Yeah, it's so funny you, like, say that, because, I mean, I don't know much about Cheetah's backstory in the comics or anything, but, you know, Kristen Wiig, like you said, she's an amazing actress. She's so funny on, on SNL, so it was going to be interesting to take seeing her play a villain, whether or not she was going to do, like, some kind of, like, comedic kind of role, like Loki yeah. Yeah. in the comics, or was she going to be taken seriously? And I remember just like when she was first cast and talking about of Christian, Christian was just like, oh God, they have to have Cheetah. She's like the most boring character in the comics. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't know. I felt bad for her. Like I would, you first see her as like this like nerdy girl that like nobody she has no friends because people think that she's weird and stuff and i am like a peter parker kind of sense like to her like like i just felt bad for her and i was like oh my gosh why are you gonna make me hate her like she seems so like like someone i can relate to and then you're gonna go and like throw like this like villain setup for her and even then when when she became the villain like when she confronted the guy who was like harassing her at the park and she totally beat him up and stuff i was just like okay i think that's kind of called justice but if just add like the dark music and then somehow she's a villain who took it too far you know that's like something like um Jameson from Spider-Man would say like Spider-Man took it too far because he did this or whatever and I'm just like okay but I feel like any girl in any kind of like situation would have done the same thing if they could like that sense of not feeling powerless or getting revenge on some guy who like harassed them like I totally don't see it as a villain thing and then when she was finding Wonder Woman I was just like that's one of the two parts I enjoyed. Like, actually, like, um, Wonder Woman versus Cheetah. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, it's one of the few highlights for me, seeing the Cheetah villain character. I was just disappointed. I just did not see her as the villain. Let me just say that. Yeah. I mean, that's another one of those fan kind of moments, right? Like, you know, if you're a Wonder Woman fan, you have to be looking forward to Wonder Woman versus Cheetah. Finally, right? Her, her arch nemesis. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it leaves you just kind of wishing they could have done it better. Um, okay. What about the other villain? Maxwell Lord. Um, so, so he's he's kind of the main villain of the movie, right? And he's deeply involved in this crazy plot with the Dreamstone and all that. And it seems like this character is something of a parallel to Donald Trump, right? Uh, There is reference to a wall that he builds up and he's very greedy and he only thinks of of himself. He's very power hungry. Um, I think there is like an intentional uh, referencing of Trump with this character, right? Um, And they did try to humanize him with his son 
as a character in this movie, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I love Pedro Pascal, you know, he's the Mandalorian, right? Uh, but this character is so crazy, you know, like we talked about it before with the Dreamstone and everything. But uh, his his storyline is so just off off the chain bonkers that it just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, you can't you can't relate to this person in any way because it's just such a far fetched premise, you know. Um, and I, I had heard of like some you know, Trump territory they were going to go into with this movie. So that was uh, something I was sort of looking forward to in a way. But again, like, you just wish they had done it better. Like, um, as it is, you know, like, it's just kind of an afterthought. Like, ultimately, you got you got to make a decent movie um, and then enjoy, like, the little references and everything, the call-outs and all that. Uh, but they just didn't do it here. Like the movie just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. For some reason, like with the wishing stone, like, um, you have like, you have like good actors and like, you might be able to do some halfway, you know, decent setup with, with who they are. But like, for some reason, once they get the dream stone and they start like getting their powers, like both characters just really devolve in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're not sure how much of it is just them versus how much of it is the stone. Mm-hmm. And, and like it's never fully explained what it does to them. Because yeah, when you see him like in, in initially, like he yeah he's Max Lord is uh like he 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 seems pretty sleazy, but I think like. Pedro Pascal almost plays him like kind of earnestly in a way like he has a son and like he wants to do like like better with his company but he just can't yeah and he's just like very much down on his luck yeah in a way um and not so not someone I like completely you know you, you like completely hate by the time they get their their evil powers yeah but like once he does that, and then he just you know, and then he just walks into the president's like the Oval Office while the president has all of his secret plans just laid out on like <laughs> <Yeah>. posters <laughs> throughout the yeah. Oval Office of his you know super secret um, satellite plan. I mean, uh-huh. he like takes over the whole United States. Yeah, and you just and like le- leads to like you know this this giant nuclear apocalypse yeah and 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 yeah you're you're just kind of like wait what how did we get here like (laughs) like yeah exactly he he just like they just take this character to like 11 yeah yeah when he's not really like like he he's definitely a little different than the comics where in the comics he's a little more, bit more like Le- a Lex Luthor type character mm-hmm. whereas here is that he's definitely doesn't give off that Lex Luthor vibe as much he he's a little bit more like you know bumbling in a way yeah right right yeah that's a good point i think both villains started off with some semblance of relatability and then 
pretty pretty soon like not far into the movie they just kind of go off the cliff and it just gets into crazy town right um so i mean there yeah i think early on maybe there was like a little bit of promise in terms of getting something of of a decent story but yeah i just it went off the rails pretty early i i, I don't know if either of you guys can like explain to me but i don't get like how Cheetah was able to get two wishes because you only get one wish, and she kind of got two. Like she That's asked right. me, like Diana, and then her second wish was to be even stronger than Diana. She wanted to be the apex predator, which is how she got like a whole like um, Cheetah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And everything. So I'm just like, I, I don't know. It was kind of like how did you do that? Is that like a plot hole or do you have to like give up even more, more of your soul to, to, um, to, to get that. And, yeah. and then when, when I watched this the second time around, I was trying to like, I'm trying to like um, catch that point. Cause even like, uh, even she brings it up when they're in the jet plane together. Like she's like, I already made my wish. I uh, I thought you could only make one wish, and then he's like, "Well, I can grant as many wishes I am as I can because I'm the, um, the the Dreamstone." And I'm just thinking, right, like, right. wait, that still doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, because she didn't, can't... she didn't wish that second wish with him, right? She just kind of said it out loud, like, without him there, right? So I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm just like, wait, you said that you can't, you said you can shoot he, earlier, like in the movie, he remember he like goes and like leaves his building and he tries to like get like a wish from like one of his workers, but he's like, oh wait, I already gave you your wish. You're useless to me. Right. So he, it shows that he can't give more than <laughs> one wish. Oh right, that too. Like, yeah. But then yeah, later on he says in the jet plane with, with Cheetah, like I could grant as many wishes as I want so I'm just like I, I don't know I'm just hella confused like how the fuck <laughs> did she gain two wishes here you're asking too many logical questions Referio clearly <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what you get for watching it the second time around <laughs> yeah there, there is so much of this movie that doesn't make any sense including the question, the overall question, what the hell happened with this movie? You know, like I, I can't stop asking myself this question. Like, um, look, the first Wonder Woman movie is great. It's it's a it's a superhero classic, and um, there was really no reason to doubt this one. You know, you got the same director on board, got the same star. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, you really got to wonder what the heck happened here. Um, you know, a, a lot of times nowadays you do hear about behind the scenes stuff, um, troubled productions, etc. Movies getting delayed. You know, we saw that with New Mutants that got delayed to hell. Everyone was like, what the hell? What's going on? This must be a terrible movie. And guess what? It was pretty freaking bad. But with this movie, Wonder Woman 84, like, I didn't. I didn't hear anything like that. Um, so it's just mind-boggling. Like, what? What? What happened? Like, any? Any like theories on why it turned out so bad? Like, is there 
something in the air. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Any, any thoughts like what might have happened here? Like, um, I guess one thing I'm hearing, I, I've heard quite a bit, is that, um, like, uh, the, there, there, there was definitely a writing change. Um, well, Pat, Patty Jenkins, like, wrote this one and directed it, whereas she only directed the last one, like, whereas the last one had a couple more writers, Zack Snyder be actually being one of them, but also who wasn't on this movie. And so I have, like, I have heard that, that, like, you know, this is, this is 100% Patty Jenkins' fault. Um, I, I don't believe that. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of people, you know, who work on this movie, and, um, there, it, it does have to go through a lot of different hands, essentially. And so, um, part of me also thinks that, um, it's just a, it, there's still that complete mismanagement of, like, that DC extended universe film universe mm -hmm. as just a larger whole. And there's no real cohesive vision for the universe. Yeah. And you can, like, it, it, in a way, it almost feels like this could have been, like, even though you hear a lot more about behind the scenes of, say, like, Suicide Squad, Justice League, BVS, of all these reshoots and, like, rewrites and um, poor test screenings that lead to different things. There may have, I think there may have been uh, some of that we, that we just didn't hear about in this movie. Um, because it feels like, you know, just this kind of, like, big jumbled mess yeah um with uh, a very cool a very cool and hype trailer mm -hmm. you get to see all these really cool moments of the movie that never actually amounted to all that much yeah that's pretty solid i i think there might be something to that like maybe a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of situation it did feel like there may have been different people involved saying you know, some people saying, oh, you got to have this scene. You got to have the Paradise Island thing, right? Let's put that in the beginning. It's like someone else is like, oh, wait, we got to get the invisible jet in there. And then someone else saying, oh, wait, uh, you know, we got to have Steve Trevor in there somehow. Hey, he's dead. Well, who cares? We'll get, we'll get him in there somehow, right? Um, and just, just kind of just throwing the kitchen sink in there. Like no one just no one getting excluded everyone everyone gets their little wish right and just having this big jumbled mess yeah it's yeah. very possible right just too many yeah. too many people everyone involved gets their wish and that's bad <laughs> right they, exactly i renounce my, my wish for this movie <laughs> <laughs> no but um yeah like going off what christian said i think they just gave Peter jenkins a little bit too much control because like the first two opening scenes like the mall and the the Amazonian scene, like apparently Warner Brothers didn't want to include those two scenes because of time cuts and everything. But Patty Jenkins like fought really hard to include those scenes. And I guess they just had like, I think they just had like a lot of faith in her thinking like, you know, like she fought to include a lot of other scenes in her previous Wonder Woman movie. And, you know, it turned out to be a smash hit. Like, where there's no reason to doubt her or anything. So let's yeah. listen to her. And this time it just did not pay off. I think, you know, it's just like, 
you know, it's just kind of like just putting too much uh, um, confidence in a person that I feel like it's nobody's fault, but it just didn't pay off. That's how I just see it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting point. Yeah, I didn't know that uh, that little behind the scenes nugget there that she fought for those scenes. Um, you know, it might have been a case where she's fighting for something that was supposed to be connected to something else that got cut out. Like, yeah, he's, you know, it seems pretty bad that she was like, oh, we got to have these scenes. But maybe she had like a bigger picture where, yeah, maybe the the, the, the little Olympic scene early earlier does tie into something later that they did take out. Like, it's hard to say, right? Um, but yeah, in the end, quite a mess of a movie. Now, yeah, and just go ahead. Uh, like in the larger picture, just in a mess in like the D- DC Cinematic Universe timeline. Because I mean, like you go to BVS, Batman doesn't know who the fuck Wonder Woman is. Nobody knows who Wonder Woman is. But apparently she saved the world twice and Batman still doesn't know that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Interesting. So now this all begs the question, what happens next? Because there will be a third Wonder Woman movie and both Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot are involved. So what would you like to see with the third movie? Any thoughts there? Um, so I guess part, part of, I guess what I want to see with the next movie is something that I think I just probably just wanted to see in this movie as I, and so, um, like, you know, in the last movie, they kind of, you know, you set up Themyscira, you have um, the Amazonians, and it kind of teases, like, a, the greater Greek pantheon of, char- of characters, like Ares is the bad guy, and Wonder Woman goes on a quest with a magic sword to defeat the god of war mm-hmm. in the first movie. And the, um, you know, in the com- like, in the comics, it definitely does like go into all of that, and she's able to go back to Themyscira. And so, um, like, I think this movie, or you know, Wonder Woman, the the second one, and I guess hopefully they do it in the next one, is that they go back to that island. They actually like explore that kind of more high fantasy greek pantheon world of wonder woman kind of like um the new 52 does which was like i think i i got a lot of that that feeling of that new 52 line of of wonder woman in the in the first movie and so like i think there's like a like a cool adventure there and you get to see you know amazonian warriors kick ass which is like you know I really liked the the first movie, and it was something like I really wanted to see going into this movie. Like, you get to see Wonder Woman kick ass, you get to see Amazonians kick ass, and like, you know, go on this kind of more high fantasy kind of adventure. And um, also with that, you can kind of show a bit of that like kind of like lore of of like these characters, and you get to see kind of 
what happened like behind the scenes in in the world of DC the greater cool comic world because in DC there's a lot of work with like different gods and then you have because in Justice League they teased the po- you know the apocalypse and dark side and so there's like a there's always like a big theme of gods in the world of DC and the Justice League and so like I was I was really hoping this movie was going to go more into that and explore that world. So hopefully they do mm-hmm. that in the next movie as well. Um, as well as uh, there's an evil sorcerer that Wonder Woman has to fight named Cersei. Like she's like another like, you know, big Wonder Woman uh, villain. I think a much better villain than Cheetah mm. personally. And so it's like, there you go. Like, you know, that, that's Wonder Woman, and you get right. that's that's the world. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with Christian. I think like if I I mean I'm not familiar with the Wonder Woman comics, but I would like to see what they kind of like what they explored in the first Wonder Woman movie, like of her fighting the Greek gods. Um, like I think like in the third movie, it would be kind of cool to first let it be in modern day no like decade kind of thing like um but yeah let it be modern day and then like have her like fight like um you know like like thor ragnarok how thor goes and fights hella another you know the goddess of death like have her like fight hades or something you know and Mm -hmm. i don't know something about like if they want to go like this love storyline again like Steve's soul is going to be damned unless she goes and fights Hades herself to save him, whatever. But um like just just more Greek Greek uh gods fight against Wonder Woman. Like no more mortal versus Wonder Woman, because obviously she could take him very easily. So let's have a villain that's like up to her level, playing level. Yeah, solid takes there. Um, I do agree. I think a modern story is a way to go. You know, both Wonder Woman movies to date are period pieces, right? There's a World War set, World War One setting in the first one. There's an '80s setting in the second. Yeah, I think it's time to ditch that. Let's, let's get into uh, current day. Um, yeah, look, look at the the Captain America trilogy. You know. Um, the first movie was uh, a period movie and um, the second one was boom you're right into current day and and the the uh, the difference there was exciting you know to see this character in a completely different setting you know that that was a, a big a big plus so I think you know they could play with something like that not not so much with with her like being like a fish out of water, um, but rather, you know, having her kind of old world kind of sensibilities in this this modern technological age. I think they could kind of play with that, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I do agree. I think I think modern is the way to go. Um, I really wonder, you know, 
<laughs> how this is going to turn out. You know, it's a big question mark. Like the first one being so good and the second one being so bad. Like what, what's the third one going to be like? You know, I really wonder. Um, go ahead. At also really fast. Like they should do this post flashpoint paradox where um, I feel like when that's the time when after DC is going to get like the restart, like mm-hmm. Wonder Woman should like, capitalize on that restart button very well could be because i think schedule wise it will follow the flash movie so you might get your wish there but yeah it's really hard to say you know with, with these dc movies they're they're kind of disjointed they're sort of connected but they're sort of not you know so it's it's hard to say what we're gonna get with the future offerings um and that leads to uh, another interesting question like where does this fall like i know i know we've kind of bashed dc movies but let's be honest there there have been some stinkers in there and i don't think um i'm exaggerating when i say this movie is probably among them uh how bad though you know like where do you think this one ranks in terms of other dc movies like is it is it better or worse then the worst of the worst, uh, I don't know. We, you know, we don't have to do a full on ranking, but like, you know, we've talked a lot about how much we dislike some of these movies like um, Suicide Squad and BVS, Justice League. Uh, where does this one fall? What do you guys think? Hmm. Uh, it definitely falls in that same tier, I would say, at least of like, you know, the Justice League and um, Suicide Squad. I think it's better than Suicide Squad. Um, it's probably a, uh, about the same as Justice League. And like BBS. Like, eh, yeah, I guess about the same as terms of what I liked and what I didn't like. I'm kind of like the opposite of Christian. I'm like BBS, Suicide Squad. Wonder Woman 2, and then Justice League. That's how I would place it, I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement that these are all in kind of the same ballpark, you know. Um, I remember being pretty pretty hateful after watching BVS. um like that movie is so grim you know like it just it's like a downer of a movie you know i i know aesthetically that was kind of what they're going for right um but it's just it's it's like uh it has a has a gloomy feel to it right um and one thing i will say about this wonder woman movie is they were going for you know, kind of a, a bright and ultimately kind of cheerful movie, uplifting, right? Um, I mean, the results were pretty bad. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the intention was to make kind of a feel-good 80s kind of movie. Um, and I don't know, that alone, I feel like I, I might I might reach to watching this one again rather than uh, BVS um, so I, I guess I would say that in a similar vein I think 
maybe that's why I liked Justice League a little more than BVS also because, you know, as problematic as Joss Whedon is, I think maybe he brought some comedy and some lightness to the movie. I mean, it made for a very disjointed movie. It was like kind of this Frankenstein's monster of a movie. But um, I, what, what he added to the movie, I felt like, okay, eh, you know, like, like, you know, just for example, the, the very end, that post-credit scene where like Superman and the Flash are like racing each other. It's kind of a fun moment, you know, like um, I felt it was like a fun moment that was kind of lacking in, in the BVS movie. Uh, so... Yeah, I think, yeah, for me, I think BVS is probably the bottom of the barrel here. But like, I think, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. These are all kind of just all, all bad, <laughs> right? Bad. All yeah. bad. Re- yeah. Really fast. Like, I just want to say, like, I think this is, like, one of the few examples where, like, you have a good character, just a bad storyline. Because, like, as much as I also did not enjoy BVS, Wonder Woman was my favorite part of the movie when she's first introduced. Like, her entrance was badass and... I was like, yes, Jordan Woman saved the movie. But then you have like this movie, and you're just like, oh, you guys did Wonder Woman no justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, as we often do, we can give a score to this movie out of five. Um, what do you think? Uh, you want to start? Uh, how about you, Christian? One out of five. Ooh. Oh, Boom. Ooh. Hit him with the one. <laughs> Terrible. Uh-huh. How about you, Preferio? Uh, two out of five. Yeah, I think I'm going to go two also. I don't know why, but... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just want to leave room for something just utterly terrible I, I feel like there were some bright spots here so yeah i think i'll go i think i'll go to two go to two <laughs> uh, wait can, can i ask a question really fast yeah please okay christian i know going off that one out of five is there anything you like for the movie um yeah there's like a few like kind of like small things i did i did enjoy um because like i said like i you know i like the Kirsten Wig and Pedro Pascal, like, it's almost like you could see actors, like, really trying their best. Like, all of them, like, are like, or, you know, I, li- I like all of them. Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Pedro Pascal, Kristen Wig, like, um, and then, you know, this, this single scene with Robin Wright, like, you see good actors, like, trying to do the best with what they're, they're given. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't always work and sometimes it looks like really really awkward but like there's times when i think that like kind of shines through and you're like and like that's called that's like kind of when the movie like clicks for like just a second like yeah. you know like when they're doing the um like the you know the little banter between like uh steve and wonder woman when like steve first comes back and he's like trying the clothes and um they're like the art museum and then like you have like the little like moment with Pedro Pascal like um what is it like his little spiel like life is good but it could be better <laughs> and like you, you know there's like these like little moments here where like 
you kind of see what they're going for with this, you know, with this character, like, really shine through in a way. And so, yeah. like, I think that's probably, like, like, for me, I guess that's that's the highlight of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After seeing a movie like this, it does really make you appreciate good movies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, hey, look, it's not easy to make a good movie. Like, you could get all the right people in place with the right intentions, and it just doesn't work, you know? Um, sometimes it just wasn't meant to be. Maybe... Maybe that's what happened. You know, we asked the question, like, what happened here? You know, um, sometimes things just don't work out. And um, maybe more reason to appreciate the good stuff, you know, because um, sometimes you just don't get the magic for whatever reason. Sometimes you just, just unexplained, right? Uh, so, yeah, it happens. Any final thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984 or anything else? Let's see. I bash this movie enough, but um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The last thing that I, I thought this movie really needed but it didn't have is like in like every other movie that Wonder Woman's been in, BVS, Justice League, you know, uh, and of course Wonder Woman, like there's always like one Wonder Woman scene that I think like really sticks out uh, and and is like a highlight of the whole movie, like uh, everyone goes to that like big trench scene uh, in the first Wonder Woman movie or in Batman v Superman. Like probably the best scene was when she shows up and she's got the bracers and she's yeah. fighting, mm -hmm. uh, um, you Doomsday. know, against yeah Doomsday to save Batman. Mm -hmm. And so there's like one like really awesome scene with wonder woman and that's like really cool yeah it's real hype it's a real hype moment but like yeah this movie just really didn't have that like special scene i feel like it. it was supposed to be that scene where she comes in with the armor you know yeah but then but then cheetah totally takes that down really fast <laughs> right special armor that could take out like all these soldiers but a few like claw scratches from <laughs> for real much. yeah i mean like that's how they end the the wonder woman trailer with her like appearing mm -hmm. with the with the golden armor and so and like the whole movie kind of like sets it up sort of you know and then like when she finally appears it's, it's like taken down by a fucking cat like <laughs> what the hell <laughs> So, right. yeah, I, I think that's what it was supposed scene. to be, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we continue to ask questions, and I'm the same, like, just after seeing this, just so many questions pop up, you know, and um, yeah, I guess at some point, you just got to let it go and just, just leave it, leave it alone. Um, and look, you know, with movies, particularly superhero movies, there has to be some suspension of disbelief, right? Some At some point, you got to just say, okay, you know, you just got to accept it. And this, this is the world uh, of this movie, and we'll just have to go with it. Um, 
but I think, yeah, this movie might be a good example of like, okay, th- there, there's a threshold for that. Like we can only take so much, right? Something has to make some kind of sense. And, um, you know, uh, you know, like, like comic geeks like us oftentimes get criticized for being too nitpicky about stuff like, Oh, this doesn't follow the comics or, um, you know, we're being too much of a stickler for like a, a, a tight script and a solid plot line, you know? Um, but, uh, come on, <laughs> you know, we, you, you have to have some standards here. Right. Uh, so, you know, um, there's that uh, series online, Honest Trailers, you know, oh, they, they, they love to nitpick stuff, right? Um, and yeah, do they go too far with stuff? Sure. And like, do I go too far nitpicking stuff? Absolutely, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of being a geek, I think, just like overanalyzing stuff and, and like over complaining to a degree. Um, but if there was ever an example of a case where criticism is is justified i think this is this is it man this is like the gold standard right uh so especially nowadays you know we're getting a lot of good content um when we see bad stuff we're gonna complain you know and um we're gonna call it out we're not we're not gonna pull punches here Christian will give it a one. He doesn't give a fuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> we will give you a one if we think it's that bad. <laughs> do, All right. do, you, do you guys think, like, if this movie was released in theaters, it, you think it would be considered a flop or you think it would have, like, been a success on the box office? That is a good question. I mean, it's a, it's a big hypothetical. That's basically saying like, oh, what if COVID-19 never happened, you know? Um, but I, I kind of I think it would be a box office hit just in the same reason that like Spider-Man 3 was a big hit, right? You know, like the, the previous movie slash movies were so good and popular that people will just show up to go see it, you know? Um, after they pay their money, they'll they'll probably have a pretty negative experience saying, like, <laughs> what the hell, man? But they'll have paid their money. And, yeah, I think the box office would have been pretty good. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I'm definitely glad I got to see this on HBO in my home instead of <laughs> paying the ticket price. But, like, I hope it did. You know, like, I think it did pretty well on HBO. And then, it, like, Warner Brothers didn't, you know, they got a lot of streams and hits from this movie, and it didn't make them some, like, it did make them money. Um, I guess it's hard to say, like, if it came out in the theaters, like, overall in this state, um, just because it feels so unfinished. And, like, I, I guess it could have fly. It could have it could have gone that same way as, like, Justice League or BVS, where you have, like, a big opening... And then, like, right after that, there's a very steep drop-off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, I think because of all the different different forces kind of at play in 2020, um, and people are just ready for a superhero, like, a big superhero comic book movie, like, this ended up doing pretty well. Uh, 
And at you know, even though I didn't uh, care for this movie, you know, um, I do want to see more of this character, and I do want to see um, like them like you know see what see what didn't work and make a good third movie, and you know put more Wonder Woman and like really bring her out like bring her as you know one of the Trinity, like mm-hmm. yeah, one of like the heavy hitters of DC. Yeah. You know what I was thinking also is uh what are your thoughts about the future of DC movies? Do you want to see them interconnected or not interconnected? You know, um right now it seems to be this kind of vague kind of connected kind of not sort of thing. Um what do you think? Because before they were clearly going for like the MCU thing, right? Connecting the characters, having a team up movie, all that. Um, but with the shortcomings of Justice League, it seems like they've kind of shied away from the shared universe thing, right? Where, where do you guys think they should go from here? I still think they should take that route of like connecting with one another, like have like this DC shared universe, but just to take their time like there's somebody at warner brothers does not know how to properly put these like release dates or projects out there like don't try to catch up with marvel that's not going to happen obviously like with infinity war and endgame like just take your time but and take your time releasing good content Obviously, they've lost the war on this, but there's no need to um, totally like go down in shame. Just give give the fans what they want, and have it be shared, connected, and I don't know. Let it be fun and good. Ultimately, good. Yes. Uh, what do you think, Christian, about shared universe or no? So, um, like. So, if we go back to Joker um, mm. from 2019, it was like the you know this movie like that like was very different from like a lot you know other superhero movies. Yeah, uh, it and took place like took place essentially in its own little world with its own contained story, and it was a story that it wanted to tell. And, and so, like, I, um, I cannot but wonder, like, maybe DC should go in that direction. Mm. Um, as much as, you know, I would want, like, the big shared universe like Marvel with uh, your big four-part Justice League movie with Darkseid in parts three and four. Um, and then, you know, like, all those different movies uh, with the Justice League that lead into all the, all these and like there's a lot there's there's like a really cool universe to unravel here that goes in all these different directions but also the thing i guess with dc um is that uh they have like very iconic singular comic trades that are essentially their own story in their own universe and like if you look at a lot of like the biggest dc comics the ones that keep selling over and over it's stuff like, you know, like the killing joke and um 
Actually, I guess the, the Killing Joke is a story that's connected. Uh, I guess, like, The Dark Knight Returns is one story, and, like, All-Star Superman, and, like, one-off stories that the char- that the writers just kind of wanted to make about the character mm-hmm. that don't really, that are just about that character that may tangentially connect but aren't technically canon. Like, your one isn't isn't really has like canonized elements into Batman, but the story itself is its own universe separate from the larger DC universe and was eventually like completely retconned out. And so, um, like, hmm, maybe I wonder, maybe they should go in that like kind of more contained direction. Uh, maybe they should make another like kind of, kind of out there R rated DC movie like similar to Joker maybe not in the same universe but like that same kind of idea like maybe they yeah. should um like essentially i guess like you know try try to be try to be as different from Marvel as they can but in in the right way yeah they're going to do that with the they're going to do that with the Batman yeah that's true they're they're doing that with Batman Robert Patterson's Batman. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, I think first and foremost, you know, you really got to focus on making a good standalone movie. And um, I think the Joker movie is a great example. You know, that movie was really well done. And you could almost feel like the creative process being completely free of any sort of shared universe, right? It was almost like freeing for the filmmakers not to have to deal with other DC heroes, right? Um, At the same time, I kind of like what you're mentioning too, Perverio, like um, having some aspects of a shared universe can be cool. Like as, as as a comics person, like, it's just like, I don't know, it's in my DNA, right? Like you, you read all these Marvel and DC comics and, you know, the characters like all appear in each other's comics, right? So it's like, it's like a built-in thing with superheroes. Um, and to be able to do that, it's almost like you're kind of missing out on a good opportunity to have your movies completely standalone, you know? So I think maybe, yeah, first and foremost, yeah, make a good movie, make a good standalone movie that doesn't depend on other stuff. Um, But if there's a little like interconnectiveness uh, here and there, even if it's just like, I don't know, post-credit scene or whatever, um, that can be fun. You know, I I think that's cool. And I think it kind of is true to the, the comic book tradition, right? Especially DC and Marvel, you know, uh, where you just, it it's, there, there's just like decades of precedence, right? Of, of these uh, characters showing up in each other's stories. So, it, 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 I think that should be continued to some extent. Um, I, I think DC may have gone overboard with it, where like they were just copying the the Marvel Studios model too much when they kind of rushed the the, the team up movie. Um, but I think having, you know, like on a smaller scale, the shared universe, that, that could be kind of cool. All right. With that, 
we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Christian, Perfurio, and Henry.